There's going to be two presentations on crowdfunding, one from me and then from Lyra. Uh, I'm the bad news and Lyra's the good news because she successfully managed to crowdfund a project. 5.1 billion sounds really impressive, but 5.1 billion is not what you'll get in Ireland. That's a, a shutdown notice for a good publication limited. That's by coincidence actually in today's Evening Herald as part of the process of shutting down the company which never traded because this project didn't work. Goop magazine, the idea basically was it varied over time. I mean, at first I was thinking weekly. Weekly was never going to be financed in Ireland. Uh, and then eventually I settled on it'll probably be monthly. There'd be about 10 articles or so. But they would be stories that weren't covered on the front pages. Uh, it would be a true magazine, investigative pieces and so forth. And that's what the web page looks like at the moment. There was a video up on it earlier, which you can still find on YouTube, of me standing in front of the GPO. I'd been talking about friends and colleagues for a while for about having to do something, basically because sometimes you have to create your own income if you can't find one elsewhere. And we were tossing around various ideas. We eventually came up with Good Magazine. It wasn't the first crowdfunding venture that I'd come up with. That was this one. <laughs> uh, the building in the that's a picture from 1916, British Army Hall, um, soldiers. The building in f at the in the background is uh, just in the corner of Merrion Square. Green's Bookshelf. Yeah. That's Green's Bookshelf's just up from it, yeah. Uh, that, the building itself used to be the headquarters for um, Irish pharmacists, the Irish Pharmacists Union, and has a history going back, obviously, to the start of the square. And a for sale notice just appeared on it, and a guy called Simon McGarr, who some of you may know from Twitter as Top Eds, decided that he wanted to find out what was happening with that building, who was buying it, and so forth. And Simon set up a small crowdfunding project looking for people to get a fiver each, and they'd get an article at the end of it on what was happening to that place. And I was commissioned to do the article. Uh, turned out it was been sold to apparently make a chocolate museum, uh, which I don't think has happened yet, and may or may not. These things tend to change. but. I just wrote the article, that was my first introduction to crowdfunding. But there's a fair amount of difference between obviously a magazine and a single article. What really triggered me was this. Um, the Correspondent is a Dutch magazine and they had phenomenal success. They were looking for I think 50,000 euro and eventually they ended up collecting over a million because just sometimes an idea takes off. And there was a lot of talk in America at the time, places like Kickstarter were really taken off. So I looked into crowdfunding. Uh, so as I said, there was a lot of publicity at the time. Uh, you were starting to get like Matt Cooper would interview someone asking them, well, what is Kickstarter? This man wrote an article about it in the Irish Times, Vincent Brown. Vincent actually managed to write about it without acknowledging that he was writing about it. What he started writing about was the Barcelona model. Uh, and he started by talking about Barcelona FC. Barcelona is a football club, as most of you will know. Uh, what makes them almost unique, if the subs among you will forgive me using that phrase, what makes them almost unique is they're a cooperative. They're owned by the fans. They're not owned by the Glazers or by some Russian billionaire. The fans own the club. And they're actually quite uh, successful despite that. Um, 
one of the examples of the philosophy being slightly different at one stage was while other company, other football clubs were paid in order to wear the name of a, a bank or an insurance company or a phone company on their jerseys, Barcelona had UNICEF on their jerseys and they were paying UNICEF. Vincent basically took the idea of crowdfunding, melded it with Barcelona and came up with this idea uh, that you could have a cooperatively owned magazine, that the readers would own the magazine. I tossed that around as well and looked at cooperative law. Uh, the law is a bit messy in that. I ended up just, as you saw earlier, setting up a regular company. And the idea I came up with was you wouldn't own the magazine, but when you promised your sub in crowdfunding, what you got in return was a subscription to the magazine. And depending on how much you promised, you got a subscription to one issue, three issues, six issues, 12 issues. And I then had 12 plus, which was you got the magazine and you got a special commemorative print edition of the first magazine, because this was obviously an online venture. But I'd found someone who could do very cheap black and white printing with terribly produ produced photos, but the idea was it was the words and it was something physical as a souvenir. There are various crowdfunding sites, depending on which one you go with, uh, they all have pluses and minus. The big one that uh, everyone really knows is Kickstarter. Kickstarter at the time was predominantly US-based. they just opened in the UK. They didn't have an Irish presence and that would have meant all sorts of problems with me having to set up an address in Belfast or somewhere like that in order to go through them so I'd rejected them for that reason. Beacon is a slightly different uh, setup. Lyra will be talking about that later so um, they weren't suitable for me anyway. Funded.ie is an Irish based crowdfunding site <coughs> and Funded rejected my proposal on the grounds that it was a business. They basically were aimed at arts and cultural uh, projects, and although I've argued that sort of news and reportage was also could fit into their categories, they decided it didn't. Uh, apparently on the basis that I paid the journalists, uh, because the money that came in, where it was going was there was would have been a small amount of it would have gone paying for the website and so on but most of it was basically paying the journalists for the articles because I needed something that you know I'm not, not looking for a half hour opinion piece that someone turns out I'm looking for something that they'd have to spend a week or two weeks working on uh, that annoyed the hell out of me um, because funded at the same time that I was trying to run this uh, crowdfunding project were running one for Rabble I don't know if anyone here knows Rabble magazine, it's a newspaper. Uh, and it was okay to fund Rabble because the money being raised to, uh, for Rabble was to pay the printers, not the journalists. Uh, so that kind of upset me. Uh, I just heard over the weekend, uh, and I have yet to look into it, a group called iCrowdfund.ie. Uh, if any of you are ever looking at crowdfunding, you might want to check them out, but I know nothing about them, so I can't say anything good or bad. I ended up going with a company called Indiegogo, mm -hmm. who were flexible enough uh, for what I needed and were happy to fund it. Indiegogo have two plans. They have one, the classic crowdfunding scenario is you set a target, say a thousand euro. You, if you get enough people to promise that you reach that 1,000 euro, you get your 1,000 euro, or 
a thousand plus if you're lucky enough to be oversubscribed they take a percentage they take four percent what they also do and i considered for a while is you can take a different approach which is my target is a thousand but if i only get 300 promised i still want that 300 euro and they allow you to do that kind of model as well. I eventually rejected it because I thought if I don't reach what I'm looking for because I've already paired it to the bone, I'm not going to be able to do the project anyway. Uh, and just went for the full one. If you go for the option where I'll take the money even if I don't reach my declared target, Indiegogo then take 9%. Initially, I wanted to raise enough to go for a year. And I estimated that if I didn't really pay myself and made my own money by doing other things like talking gigs and writing about Goof other, in other places, that I'd be able to do that on 50, 60,000. At that time, the most successful Irish crowdfunding project had raised about 3,500. So I thought, I'm asking for 10 times that, I'll never get it. So eventually I, I looked at, well, what I'll do is I'll look for enough to fund the first three issues. Hopefully, if I get that, that will then create enough momentum to keep it going. As it turned out, my target was 13,500 and the amount promised was 3,851 euro. We didn't make it. That's, that's as far as we got, 29%. One of the things I read in research while I was working on it was there's a tipping point at about 30%. If you make 30%, you're usually going to make the full target. What happens is when you start promoting something, you're promoting it through your own networks. You're going through, here's the people who are on Google that know me. Here's the people who are on LinkedIn or on Facebook or on Twitter. Here's the people in real life that know me. At about 30% of your total, you've reached a point where you're no longer talking to your own networks. And what's happening is the people who know you are telling people they know that you don't know about what you're doing and the thing picks up a momentum. It never quite reached that momentum, so I didn't make it. So basically what I want to talk to is what I think didn't work there. Uh, just by the way, that's um, 130 different people pledged money. Most of them subscribed to a year-long sub, which I thought was a bit encouraging because even though I was saying I'm only going to get enough for three months and hopefully get the momentum, at least there was support for the idea. and um, People were... I think there is a market somewhere for the right news product, it's just I wasn't the person to sell it. As far as I can tell, most of my subscribers came from uh, Twitter. At the time, I had about two and a half thousand followers, and I got, as I said, 130 of them. That's around, what, 5%? That's not bad for direct mail. Um, so I've, basically the problem there is I didn't have enough of a base to reach sufficient people. But 5% conversion rates, if you're doing a direct mailing exercise, I can tell you from my time as a circulation manager, is very good. Weaknesses. This was a one-man show. It was essentially me promoting this product. Uh, the website at the time had a list of, uh, here are other people who will be contributing and who are involved in the project. But although people, I had people <coughs> who were signed on for that, some of them were just, they'd agreed to use my name that, and going forward then we'll talk about how I'll produce stuff for you. None of them were plugging it to in, this, in the way that I was. And as a result, that limited the amount of reach we had. I think something this big would have needed to have a group project. Uh, the second part, 
going back a while, I had Vincent Brown's photo out there. Vincent was talking about, and still is, I think, talking about doing something similar himself within a crowdfunding type venture, although he's calling it cooperative. I'm Jared Cunningham, who's heard of me. If, if you put up the hashtag VinB magazine and look for money for it, I think that it would subscribe very quickly. And that's basically because there's a brand there that's recognisable. It'll get the additional co coverage. It'll get coverage in, in newspapers and in other shows. Vincent, tell us what you're doing. Whereas I got one appearance, actually, it was on Vincent Brown, <laughs> in which I got to promote this magazine. Uh, came very late in the day. There was only about a week left to go. And uh, I don't think Sam Smith understood what I was talking about. He was uh, subbing for Vincent that night. Different networks work differently. I spent a fair amount of time on Twitter, which I think is why most of the followers I got came from Twitter. Also, Twitter generally tends to be a newsy network. It's people who are there commenting all the time on current events and so on, what's happening, at least in my newsfeed. Facebook was very low impact, but Facebook is sort of a lot of people that I know because it suggested them when I opened it first and I've never really cultivated it and it's mostly cat pictures. Uh, LinkedIn. I don't think anyone's on LinkedIn. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll fix that. Everyone's on LinkedIn. Nobody's no, really. doing anything. They're all sitting there going, this may become a great thing eventually. But it, LinkedIn sits there. Everyone signs up to it and gets the spam from them, and nobody actually connects through it, I swear. Uh, Google Plus is like LinkedIn, sort of. Uh, most people are on Google Plus because when yeah. every time you checked your email, Google nagged you until you joined. And if you had a YouTube account, every time you checked your YouTube, Google nagged you. So everyone joined just to stop Google with the pop-ups. But nobody really uses it. Techies use it. And photographers use it. It's, I think, probably doing quite a bit of damage to Flickr because I see a lot of photo streams on it whenever I check it. And most of the rest of the people who are there are techies. But conversations, not really. I spoke about the, com the competition were pr was probably another, another influence. I spoke already. Rabble were running a fundraiser at the same time, which probably didn't help. They already had an established brand because they had the newspaper out on the streets that had been going for a while already. And as I said, although he didn't actually do anything, Vincent Brown was talking about it at the time, which may have had an effect, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if time of the year had an effect. I, I ran the crowdfunding project in August, September, which means that I was doing a fair amount of it uh, during silly season. Uh, if anything, I would have thought that would have been a help because newspapers would be interested in any content and they would have taken a story on it, but PR efforts didn't go anywhere on that. Uh, in my paranoid moments, I thought maybe they're afraid I'm going to destroy them, but I don't think Kevin O'Sullivan is that afraid of me. The other problem is I call the magazine Goo, which is the Irish for voice, and a lot of people at first thought it was an Irish language magazine. For a lot of people in this country, for some reason, the Irish language is a dog whistle. The first reaction to hearing that is that they start talking about Christian brothers and straps and the tushel guinea they're getting beaten into you in school and it just created all the wrong vibes. I have a tendency to pick Irish words for, th for brand names for things sometimes just because there's usually a good chance that they're not registered anywhere already. Uh, in this particular instance, I think it was probably something that did not help. 
um, and it's switched people off. And I'm not sure entirely that I sold exactly what it was that I hoped to do with the magazine, what it was that made it different to the journal or, uh, or anywhere else. It would have been longer form investigative articles rather than the latest news today was the, ge- was the general idea and I never really sold that and that's, that's down to me. So um, I was trying to think what works. Um, I think what works, one of the pro- main problems I had was that I was planning a magazine uh, which is an ongoing project. Basically it is a business. Um, the idea was that I was trying to set up a magazine but before I started publishing rather than doing what you usually do is you publish a magazine that goes on the news shelves or in this case on your phone and your computer screen and then people decide if they want to pay I was trying to get the cash in advance that doesn't work I think so easily for something that's an ongoing project Uh, it works if you've got a single idea for a single project and you're going here's something I'd like to do will you fund it Lyra will talk later about, she's basically doing a book and it's an investigation into a single topic. Uh, I had hoped earlier uh, that I would get someone along here from Blinder Films. I don't know if you, anyone here knows them. Blinder just raised €45,000 for a documentary on Rory O'Neill, Panty Bliss, called The Queen of Ireland. And again, that's a single identifiable project. They're going to go off, they're going to create one documentary, that's their product. Whereas I was too dispersed and the idea ended up being too fuzzy as a result because I couldn't tell someone in advance, well, I'm going to do these three stories. And as I said, I was a one-man show. If there had been, I think, half a dozen people all not completely connected to each other, reaching out to half a dozen networks, there would probably have been a further reach and it might have gone further. But that's the downside. There's 5.1 billion out there, as Enid said. It's not always easy to get it, so you need to know what you're doing in advance. And I think Lyra will be able to talk much more about that because she knew, I think, precisely what she wanted in advance. Thank you.